You're listening to On the Right Road. Get ready to experience extraordinary real-life inspiration and discover valuable tools to help kids find and travel the right road in school and in life. And now, here's your award-winning host, author, singer-songwriter, producer, humanitarian, and founder of Right Road Kids, it's Paula Phillips. Hello, everyone, and welcome to On the Right Road. I'm your host, Paula Phillips, and as always, I've got something good and positive and wonderful to say and share with you all this evening. <laughs> we are going to have so much fun on this show. My guest is one of the most successful and truly brilliant children's authors out there. He is so talented and fun and positive and inspirational. I just feel so honored and blessed that he's joining us here on the right road. Every time I read one of his books or see him share in a video, he just brings joy. And we all need the kind of special joy boost that he brings to the world. And of course, I've also got tons of giving joy for you all this evening. So I'm just going to jump right into the excitement of it all. I'll introduce my amazing guest in just a minute. But first, I'd like to start with tonight's first awesome On the Right Road gift opportunity for you. Today's giveaways are all going to focus on the love and joy of reading and writing. And all the entry details will be a part of each giveaway opportunity. So you'll know exactly what to do to participate and enter. So to start tonight's giving fun, here's tonight's first on the Right Road giveaway. Of course, it's open to all educators in the United States listening to On the Right Road right now. And first, I want to make sure to mention tonight's code word, which is the word SHINE. I picked that because it's the title of one of my guest's books, but also it's what he does. He just shines out into the world. So I thought it was the perfect word for tonight. So here's the scoop, you guys, for anybody who might be new to On the Right Road. Every time I explain one of the giveaways, it's going to pop up on our Right Road Kids Facebook page. This one has not yet because I haven't shared all about it. So what you want to do, instead of waiting for them to come up in your timeline, Facebook is so big that everything doesn't just show up in your timeline anymore. So go right to our Right Road Kids Facebook page. Go directly there. And then as I say, okay, this one's up on our Facebook page now, just refresh the page. The giveaway post will pop right up there for you. All the easy entry details will be right there in each giveaway post. But also what you want to do is type tonight's code word SHINE as part of your entry in each one that you participate in because that lets us know that you're listening and it officially enters you, okay? So for this first giveaway tonight, celebrating the joy of writing, I have nine packs of my favorite colorful Astrobrites li uh, like lined filler paper. Each pack has four vibrant colors, bright yellow, orange, pink, and blue, and each gift package is also going to include a pack of lined post-it pads for those moments when inspiration just strikes you and your students and you need even just a little piece of paper close at hand. I thought this would be such a special, colorful, and fun way to encourage student writing and creativity. I personally loved the different colored binder filler paper when I was a kid, it just always sparked my creativity and imagination. So I thought it would be the perfect giveaway to start with tonight. So there will be nine educator recipients and each will receive one of the colorful paper and post-it sets. To enter, just go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow those simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to also type tonight's code word SHINE 
as part of your entry comment, okay? And this giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show, till 6.30 p.m. Pacific, 9.30 Eastern tonight. And we'll announce the nine recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Special thanks to DCH Subaru of Thousand Oaks for helping to make this giveaway possible. And I think you know it's just the first of the absolutely awesome giveaways I'll have throughout the whole show for you tonight. So keep our Right Road Kids Facebook page close and ready. And just a quick note that if you're not listening live tonight, we're live Sunday, March 27th, 2022. Tonight's giveaways will, of course, be closed after that. And you guys note that I'll announce all the recipients from all of tonight's live and pre-show giveaways on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. So make sure to check for that announcement post so you know how to respond to receive your gift if you're a recipient this week. We'll be mailing all the gifts from tonight's show out to the recipients in mid-April. So they should arrive by month's end. And now, you guys, it's the awesome time in the show when I get to introduce you to my amazing guest. Oh, my goodness. This evening, I am so thrilled to be sharing the airwaves with children's author Chris Grabenstein. Chris is the multiple award-winning, number one New York Times best-selling author of the Mr. Lemoncello, the Wonderland, the Haunted Mystery, Smartest Kid, and Dog Squad series. He also co-authored the acclaimed book Shine with his talented wife, JJ. And he's also written nearly three dozen fast-paced and funny page-turners with the also extraordinary author, James Patterson. Those collaborations include the Max Einstein, Jackie Haha, House of Robots, Treasure Hunters, and the iFunny series. Chris says that in his head, he still feels like he's 12 years old. <laughs> that gives you an idea of just how much fun we're going to have on this show. I'm absolutely honored to introduce you all to author extraordinaire Chris Grabenstein and welcome him to On the Right Road. Welcome, Chris. Well, thank you, Paula, and thank you for inviting me to be with you tonight. And I want to win those note cards. That's how I jot down notes. <laughs> right? I don't know what we did without post-its, before post-its, and, and colorful, fun paper and everything. Well, to start, um, guess what time it is, Chris and everybody? It's quick for our question challenge time. Whenever I have a children's author guest, I love to start with quick fire questions to help us really get to know him or her. So I've got my timer set for three minutes, Chris. I'm going to ask you 10 all quick right. fire questions, okay? And if you can answer all 10, in three minutes or less, I'm going to add an awesome bonus gift card giveaway at the end of the show for those who listen all the way to the end, okay? <laughs> so you ready? Yes, I'm ready, and I, I hope I don't let you down, listeners. You are not going to. I know, Chris. Okay, so here we go. On your market set, go. Question number one, what is your favorite color? My favorite color is purple. Pur me too. Number two, what is your favorite food? Pizza, always pizza. <laughs> Number three, what time of day or night do you typically write? I usually write first thing in the morning while my brain is still half awake. Oh, I love that. Number four, do you have a favorite of all of the books that you've written or co-written over the years so far? I believe I better, I better say Shine, the one I wrote with my wife. I think that will <laughs> always have to be my favorite book ever. Oh, it's a treasure, and I can't wait to talk more about it. Okay, number five, how old were you when you wrote your first book? My first book was published about a week before my 50th birthday. 
wow, oh my gosh, that's so awesome and so hopeful for people who, you know, things don't always happen right away. I love that. Okay, so now here's the next question. How old were you when you wrote your first book that you would consider to be, quote, successful? Uh, that, and that's one of the reasons I didn't mind starting late, because the average age of every New York Times bestselling author is 54, and that's wow. about when I, I think, I think I was like 54, the first iFunny book uh, made it to number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and then the next year, uh, Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library made it to the bestseller list. Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. So number seven, how long does it typically take you to write a book? I can write the first draft in about four or five months, but the first draft is never the final draft. Most books, by the time we get done editing them, going through the whole process, take about a year. Wow. Well, and you write substantial books, too. Some of the, you know, the easier readers don't take as long, but you write substantial books. They're amazing. I can't wait to talk to them. Okay, we're going to do this, Chris. Number eight, what are two of your favorite things to do in addition to writing? Eat popcorn and go to the movies, sometimes at the same time. <laughs> I love it. Number nine, if you weren't a writer, what other career would you choose? I think I would like to be a teacher, but whenever I go visit schools, I'm so exhausted, I need a nap every day. So if I was a teacher, I would have to have a cot in my classroom to take a nap. <laughs> okay, number 10, what three words would you use to best describe you? Uh, silly, childish, grown up. Oh my gosh, we did it. 247, the bonus <clears> gift card <throat> giveaways <throat> happening. Oh my gosh, that was so fun. I love it because you really get to know a person with 10 questions. Well, and now I want to kind of dive more into the meat and potatoes. And I'm so excited to hear your perspective and just learn from one of the, the author greats out there. Um, so to start, Chris, I think... Most of your books are targeted for kids in approximately fourth to eighth grades, I would say. And I say approximately because every child is at a different reading level and has different likes. And your books are really favorites for kids of so many ages. But I think that fourth through eighth grade is the target reading level. So I'd love to know, how did you go about finding the reading level niche that you were going to write for, if yes. that makes sense? That's yeah, that makes a lot of sense because I didn't know what I was doing at first. I My first book, <laughs> I wrote uh, mysteries, murder mysteries for adults and a couple of thrillers. But I have about 24 nieces and nephews who could not read any of my adult books because they were wow. adult books. And uh, my agent met an editor who was looking for a ghost story for what he called middle grade readers. And I had written a ghost story, sort of a Stephen Kingish spooky thing. Uh, the editor read it and said, this would be great if we cut out about 70,000 words, get rid of all the adult stuff. And it was during that process that I discovered my inner 10 or 12 year old. And I had so much fun doing that. I took uh, one of my rejected manuscripts from adult books called The Crossroads and rewrote it completely. It took another year after having spent a year writing the first book to wow. write it. And I discovered 
And I, I learned about the – I kept telling everyone I'm writing for young adults, and my editor kept saying, no, you're writing for middle-grade readers. So I learned that there, there really are – that the uh, the children's market's broken down to early readers, which might be ooh, second, uh, fourth grade, maybe first to fourth grade. Before that, you've got picture books. Then I write, as you said, for fourth to eighth grade, what they call middle grade. But right. middle grade is almost subsection now into upper elementary and then older middle grade. And exactly. then you get into YA. So I I'm, I'm writing, I guess, upper elementary. I, most of my readers are ages 8 to 12. So I, when I go to schools, I talk third graders to seventh graders. I used to talk fourth graders to seventh graders, but the third graders are smarter now. <laughs> well, it's amazing what kids are learning these days. I just, my son yeah. and I have been talking about that. And it's just so, in some ways, it's so advanced what they know at such a young age. Well, and you touched upon this next thing that I want to ask you, Chris. It start. It sounds like when you started writing books, you didn't just get publishing deals right away. Like you said, you had to rewrite a book for a whole different age level. So you did experience some rejection along the way. Is that right? Before you just kind of hit your success oh. mark? I could show you my file cabinet if you like. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> spent four years uh, going to seminars, taking classes, uh, doing writer critique groups. I wrote four manuscripts over those four years. Three of them were roundly rejected, and the fourth one was really my first book published. Well, and what a what a testimony to things don't just always happen right away. You got to learn. You got to work. I'm I'm so glad to hear that from successful people. It always just hits a chord because we all need to hear it, but kids especially these days because everything is so fast-paced and everybody wants things right away, but the greatest things in life are sometimes the things you have to work the hardest for, and that's okay, and then they mean that much more. So, Chris, I just read um, Escape from Mr. Melmoncello's Library. And the information that's packed into that one book is absolutely incredible. Not only is it a super fun read, but the information, like um, all of the famous book titles by other authors that you work into the dialogue, it's mm -hmm. no small feat. I mean, I don't think I've ever read a book with more of those kinds of nugget details where my head was spinning in awe. So my question is, how do you go about doing research for your books? Do you kind of get a nugget of a story idea and then research from there? Or do you already have all of that knowledge packed in your brain when you start writing? I know when I write, I typically uh, plot out the story okay. and I'm a, uh, I'm a big fan of uh, movie structure, and I sort of follow a screenplay structure that I adapt for novel writing. And uh, once I, I kind of know all the beats I need to hit, then I start adding flesh to that skeleton, if you will. Yes. And so the research goes on on a daily basis. I have one screen where the manuscript is and another screen that's constantly open to Google or some search engine. Oh, I love it. Well, and it goes to show that, again, sometimes things take a lot of work behind the scenes. It might seem like, oh, he's just a famous writer, but the amount of work that you do is tremendous. And I love I love for kids to hear that. Now, I speaking well, of— from Mr. Lemoncello's library, yeah. uh, uh, that took two and a half years and wow. had eight major rewrites where I rewrote 50% of the entire book. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Mind blown, yeah. right? Well, now, Chris, <laughs> yeah. 
I understand that you went to college and earned a degree from the University of Tennessee. And I recently read that you said, and I'm going to quote, in my time at the University of Tennessee, I learned anything was possible. All you had to do was be bold enough to imagine yourself doing it and seize the opportunity. So Chris, what to, to be a kind of a helpful beacon for kids these days, what experiences did you seize during your college years and maybe all of your school years that helped you on your path to success in a nutshell? Well, I always... Yeah, I always say yes to everything, and I was fortunate the University of Tennessee is one of the largest universities in America, and so I was able to be in the theater, work in the newspaper, work in radio, try things that didn't work out, then try something else. So uh, you just really had to say, yeah, I'm going to give it a try. You know what? You're not the first children's author who said that. Alan Katz is one. Um uh, we've just had several lately that have said, say yes to everything and find your love, find your passion. And then from their doors open. I love that. Well, now, Chris, related to what I just asked, do you think school and college experience is different for kids now than when you and I went to school? And and piggybacked onto that is what advice do you have for kids and maybe for educators too as to how to approach school and learning in today's world, whether it be elementary, middle, high school, or college, because it's different now? Yeah, I think that when I went to school, I realized that what I was learning was how to learn, if that makes mm-hmm. sense, that mm-hmm. uh, that I, I some of my classes were really geared toward being in radio and journalism and advertising. But the ones that just sort of opened my mind were the ones I think in the end were the most helpful. So uh, I guess don't pursue the vocational education so much. You know, James Patterson was my first boss in advertising, and he said, I can teach you how to write advertising, but I can't teach you how to write. So uh, you want to learn all the skills and, and things and not be so specific, I guess, is what I would suggest. Oh, I love that. I talk to my son about that all the time. It's like even if a class is really hard and you're learning a, a, a theme or whatever it may be for that week and you're just like, when am I ever going to need this? You never know. Learn. Just take it all in. I love that. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So now when you graduated, you moved to New York City and performed improv with improv comedy troops and with people like Bruce Willis and Robin Williams. You've worked with a whole lot of amazing people over the years. And you mentioned James Patterson, who I want to talk about in just a minute and your wife. I mean, Oh my gosh. So who is someone that you've really looked up to for inspiration and advice? Uh, I guess James Patterson really was because he was very inspirational. I was a junior copywriter at uh, J. Walter Thompson Advertising Agency. He was the big boss, and he was the one who taught me always write as if nobody wants to or has to read anything you've written, that you have to earn their attention with every sentence and every paragraph. Oh, my gosh, I love that, earn their attention. I'm writing that down. That is, I mean, and it's so simple. Just earn their attention instead of getting all flummoxed with everything, right? Folk earn their attention. I love that. What right or trying advice. to be very, yeah. You know, he always talks about you're going to tell a story, you're going to tell someone to sit down and tell them a story, and you don't want them to get up until you're finished. Right. Oh my gosh, it's like a concert. You don't want them to leave in the middle of the third song. <laughs> I, I love this. Exactly. Okay. Right. <laughs> so okay. 
The 10-year anniversary of the release of Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's library is coming up. The book I mentioned I just read and we talked about a second ago, which is the first book in the Mr. Lemoncello series. Are there any special plans for that 10-year, I'm going to call it a bookiversary? <laughs> yes, I actually heard of one. There already is a box set of the first four books, and I'm told that there might be a box set of the six books, because this year we're doing a prequel, Mr. Lemoncello, when he was 13, and the mentors who helped shape his life. And then next year, uh, to celebrate the 10th anniversary, there will be a graphic novelization of Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library. Oh, how wonderful. Oh, my goodness. We, on the last On the Right Road radio show, Jim Paylot was our guest, who was the illustrator for all the My Weird School books. And he and Dan Gutman, mm-hmm. who's the author, they just started doing graphic novels of some of the books as well. So that's exciting. Oh, congratulations. So now you mentioned prequel oh, a minute you. ago. Yeah. So you mentioned prequel. There's going to be a prequel to your Mr. Lemoncello series. It's going to be released, uh, I understand, in May of this year, 2022. So um, first of all, for any kids who may not know, could you define what a prequel is? And then for this particular book, did you always have this Mr. Lemoncello's prequel in mind? Or did you just recently decide to write it as a result of the success of the whole series? All right. Well, a prequel happens before all the stories you already know. So uh, Star Wars, what they now call the first three episodes, were prequels to the original three. So those always happen. A sequel happens after. So Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library had a sequel, Mr. Lemoncello's Library Olympics. In this case, Mr. Lemoncello's very first game, it wasn't my idea to do the prequel. Actually, my friends at Random House said, you know, why don't we take a look at what Luigi... What well, Luigi was like when he was 12 or 13 years old, and I jumped at the idea because I always tell kids about the teachers who pointed me in the right direction when I was like in seventh grade. There was a teacher who told me I'd make my living as a writer someday, and oh. in high school I had teachers who pointed me in the right direction. So I wanted to do a story about the, uh, the mentors and teachers who pointed Luigi in the right direction. Oh my gosh, what a wonderful, this is going to be a, not only a great um, book on its own, but it could be a read aloud. And what an inspiration for teachers as well, because I don't know anything about this particular book yet, because it isn't released yet, but oh, how exciting. So now how much of your life, or did you include things from your life growing up into this new prequel to come? And do you often put your own life experiences into your book, books? All the time, all the time. This one almost more than ever because I am the middle child of uh, I have four brothers, and two of three of them are doctors. One's a lawyer. We don't know what happened to me. And uh, <laughs> so I put Luigi's family. He has. Uh, we've already established that he is the middle child or the middleish child of ten kids, and all of his brothers and sisters are overachievers. And he just wants to play games and tell stories and make up fun things. And he doesn't feel like he fits in, and that's kind of how I felt. And uh, I, I, my dad wanted me to play sports. I was terrible at sports, but fortunately, I found teachers who encouraged my writing and my acting talents. And uh, I found out that that was another way that you could be cool. In in school. Oh, and teachers. I mean, it just goes to show how significant you are in kids' lives. You know, the day-to-day gets so busy and so hectic, and yet each child can just take in every word of encouragement that you say, and it can be life-changing for them. 
Wow. So stay with me, Chris, okay? I have so many more questions for you. But first, I want to give away tons of them. But I want to give away a whole bunch of your amazing books, both individual books and book sets. You donated a set. And to honor your awesome work and your being here with us this evening, I went a bit crazy (laughs) in purchasing tons more to give. So here's tonight's second On the Right Road giveaway. It's open to all educators in the U.S. listening to On the Right Road right now. I have. 18 of Chris Gravenstein's awesome books and book sets to give. I have 12 single books, including those from The Smartest Kid, uh, Max Einstein, Treasure Hunters, Jackie Haha, and Mr. Lemoncello series. And I have a House of Robots three book set and five Mr. Lemoncello four or five count book sets. The five count set was donated by Chris himself, and some of the books are even autographed by Chris. What treasures all the way around. So each of the 18 educator recipients will receive a book or book set for their students in classroom by Chris Gravenstein. So to enter, just go to our Right Road Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow the simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to include tonight's code word SHINE anywhere as part of your entry comment, even if you included it in tonight's earlier giveaway, okay? This giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show, till 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern tonight. And we'll announce the 18 recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Huge thanks to Chris for donating the Five Count Mr. Lemoncello set and for taking time to autograph some of the books. And thanks as well to Mo Anderson on behalf of Keller Williams for helping to make this very special book giveaway possible. So, Chris, you you mentioned the book Shine, that that was kind of your one that really is always in your heart. And you wrote it with your talented wife, J.J., It's a book that I honestly feel every child should read before or during middle school or any time, actually. Everyone, adults, too, need to read this book. Um, Where did the idea for Shine come from, and what was the process like writing with your wife? Well, the idea for Shine actually came from J.J., because she has been my first editor on all 75 of the books I've written. She them before anybody else. And... uh, So she's kind of been involved in the writing of all of them. And she came to me one day because she's read so many of my kids' books and said, I wish somebody had written a book when I was a kid that said, who you are is even more important than what you accomplish. And I said, well, come on. You've been working on these books with me long enough. Let's do that book together. And so we did. And uh, we're still married. It took two and a half years to write the book. We're still married. (laughs) Uh, but what was it was fun to collaborate. It reminded me of my days in working in advertising where I was always teamed up with a art director and we'd bounce ideas back and forth and I'd sit down and write the first draft of something and then we'd get back together and tighten it up. And that's kind of how JJ and I worked. She is a performer and actress, so she wanted to act everything out. Awesome. I have been typing since I was uh, in high school and all through college. So now I can do like 120 words a minute. My thought process goes <gasps> from my head where I'm acting everything out to my fingertips. So I'd be in here typing and she'd come in and start acting things out. And I'd go, because eh, 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 I had the whole scene going on in my head. But we eventually we figured out a way to do it. I think I would do like a first draft. She'd go, all right, that's good. But why don't we change this? So it was fun, a lot of back and forth. And we had a third partner who's my longtime editor at Random House, Shana Corey, who also contributed a great deal to the project. Oh, well, and again, I I wish we had a whole show to do just on this book. I, 
I was reading it and right away I knew this, I mean, Right Road Kids is all about helping kids on the right road, finding their right road um, and empowering them and helping them feel special and uplifted in their destiny. And I read this book and I just was like, oh my gosh. And I've actually started giving it to kids um, who just need a boost or, you know, I bought a whole stack of them. Um, that I've just been giving out left and right because I feel I, I cannot say enough that I feel like every kid in the world needs to read this book. I hope it's translated into every language there is. Um, it's just I can't say enough about it. Well, and now also you mentioned before James Patterson, you've written a ton of books with him. And I'm sure that that name is familiar to a lot of people. Um, really, as Mr. Patterson is literally the world's best-selling author in terms of numbers, because he's just written so, so, so many books for kids and adults. And like you said, you've co-written a whole bunch of kids' books with him. So did your partnership come about with him when you were working for him at the advertising agency? And How did you start writing books together? Well, I worked at, uh, with Jim in advertising from like 1984 to 1988. Then advertising, like many careers, you have to make your name at one place and then move on to another and right. move on to another. So I had not seen him since like 1988. But uh, his son went to a school in uh, Florida, and they invited me to come down and do my presentation. And I think his son went home and said, you know, this guy, Chris Grabenstein, was pretty funny. And Jim went, oh, I remember him. And uh, he was going to be at their school book fair that night. He and I sat down and we sort of reminisced and caught up. And, and it was pretty soon after that, I got an invitation to do my first kind of audition piece, which was writing the fifth book in a series that Jim had already had going called Daniel X. And I sort of passed that audition, and we've written about 32 other ones since. Well, so how? what is that whole collaboration process like? Is it similar to how you write with your wife, or is it a completely different process? I would say it's uh, completely different. Uh, Jim is intimately involved in, I call him Jim because that's what we used to call him in advertising. I know yeah, he's yeah. James now. Uh, <laughs> but he is uh, involved in everything he does, and the way it typically works he does a 40 or 50 page outline where all the twists and turns of the whole story are laid out in front of you. Okay. And then I go in and I write about 10,000 words a month. I send it to him usually on a Thursday. He usually calls me up on the following Monday. And the best calls are great. Keep going. The worst calls are, do you have a pen and a pad of paper handy? <laughs> and he'll give me all sorts of notes. And fortunately, I haven't had many of those lately. And so yeah, we we do it. I will work on one of his books for like four months. Those books are about 40,000 words long, so I'm doing about 10,000 words a month. Then he takes the book and does the final draft himself. Oh, my gosh. I, this is so interesting. And again, it's it's interesting for kids and adults to know how important it is to build relationships with people and how in each situation, the working relationship might be completely different. But the end product, I mean, you're writing all different kinds of books, but it's just it's so interesting to hear how the, the process all works. So exciting. So, Chris, what <laughs> is your favorite part? of writing books for kids? Uh, well, I think I have two favorite parts. There's the part I enjoy when uh, the idea is clicking in my head and I'm in this room writing and uh, the whole day could go by and I've had so much fun in this other world that I don't even realize. 
And I think the other thing I really like is going, and we haven't been able to do it because of COVID for the last couple of years, but we're starting to get to do it again, is going into schools and meeting kids. And kids treat, uh, at my age level, especially the fourth, fifth, sixth graders, they treat us writers like rock stars. It, it's pretty exciting. <laughs> Oh, and and just what does it mean to you to know that you've just reached and made such a difference in so many kids' lives with your work? It just must be the best feeling. It is, especially, I was what they call a reluctant reader when I was growing up. I like to think I was a super critical reader who did not want to read the boring broccoli books that were supposed to be good for me. I wanted <laughs> books that got like a movie projector going in my brain. And I tell you, sometimes we've had a few tears around the house. We'll get emails late at night sometimes. Uh, I remember one girl had not been able to read a book. She was like 12 years old, uh, probably some learning issues going on there. But she had never been able to read a book, but she couldn't put down Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's Library. And oh. that was the first book she ever read all by herself. So she wrote me. Then her parents wrote me like five minutes later saying, you don't realize what a big deal this is. And so I get a lot of heartwarming emails about uh, kids who did not like to read or maybe had, who struggled with reading, who picked up one of my books and fell in love with reading for the rest of their life. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps because I, through my nonprofit, Right Road Kids, I work with kids and um, I do music and I've written books and I do all. And, and as you're talking, I'm like, yes, it's just so there's nothing better. I mean, all the money in the world you know, at the end of the day, means kind of nothing. It's about people and the relationships and using, exactly, yeah. you know, using your God-given talents to just share it with the world and, and shine, right? And I just, I feel like you do that yeah. so beautifully. And I'm just, uh, I'm almost speechless with how special this is to be able to talk with you this evening. Well, and I, I want, I really want to pick your brain, Chris, um, because I know so many kids, after, especially after the pandemic, but for so many other reasons in the world, are just struggling these days. So as some helpful information, could you, or information and inspiration, could you share maybe two or three um, tips for writing that you have for kids, like, you know, hot encouragement or inspiration? Well, yeah, I would say the thing I often tell kids who will bring, sometimes kids will bring me things they've written, don't try to write a novel. You've got soccer practice and band practice. You've got things to do. Right. Try to write a short story, and I will quote goosebumps here, with a beginning, a middle, and a twist. If you can do that in like four or five pages where everything in that story builds to the ending, in a couple of years you'll be able to write a longer novella, and then you can write a novel later. But uh, almost Go at uh, and think of writing as a form of entertainment. We are trying to, again, grab the reader's attention, and you don't want them to leave the theater of your mind until you get done with the story. And also, I, advice, because I look back at my own eighth grade uh, composition <laughs> book when I decided I want to be a writer, don't use big words all the time. When I was in eighth grade, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I grew up, and I thought that meant you had to use big words. So I asked my parents for a thesaurus, and some of the essays in my eighth grade composition book are pretty funny because of that. Oh, that's so interesting. It's okay to use big words, but I but you don't always have to. 
So you know. No, in fact, right? uh, the minute like there's a great collection of uh, Elmore Leonard, who is a great uh, mystery writer, wrote ten rules for writing, and his number one rule is the minute it sounds like writing, cut it out. Oh, I love that. You know, uh, oftentimes what I do after I've written something is I read it out loud. And then I'm like, is this real? You know, and if it sounds conversational mm-hmm. and like, uh, like I'm connecting with it, it's like, oh, and then it's like, oh, that sounds, no, oh, no, that sounded like it was written. That totally makes sense to me. I love that. Yeah. That's, that's awesome. And, uh, I'm fortunate that that JJ reads all my stuff first and she's really good. Like, yeah, this sounds like I can hear the writer talking here or, right. you know, this word. It, I, my advice to her always is if there's anything that takes you out of the story, let me know. Cause I think that's the, that's what I want to know about. Oh my gosh. And that's why it's so good to, if, if kids read each other's work, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. and really, um, get the picture of what somebody else is doing and, and to really, get outside of your own mind. It just helps you become a better writer as well. So, okay, here's the piggyback question. What are, what would be your top two or three teaching writing tips for educators? Like what's the best way for teachers to encourage and to teach writing? I sometimes, you know, when I go to schools, we play a little game because I used to do improv comedy and it's an old game where I will start a scene, I'll ask for a sentence, a first sentence and a last sentence. And a lot of schools I go to, as soon as I'm gone, they all do it in the classroom. So maybe this will help some teachers. But you get a first sentence and a second sentence. And the first sentence will be the first sentence of your story. And the second sentence will be the last sentence of the story. And along the way, and usually you find something like a picture or, or something to get the story started. And once you get the story started, you stop. And someone yells out a word. And whatever that word is, that has to be the next word in the story. And you keep the story going. And, you don't, and it has to make sense with what you built before. Right. And you slowly build it up to the, uh, to the end point. And that is a great way to teach kids, to give them the permission to write a really bad, terrible, stinky, no good first draft. Because that's where writer's block comes from, is where you try to make something perfect the first time through. And as someone who spent two and a half years working on Escape from Mr. Lemoncello's library, I'm here to tell you, nobody gets it right the first time. Right. Well, and they had a TV show where they did that years ago. Where the, these just. Yes, his uh, line is it anyway. Yes. Yep. Yeah, with yep. Drew. What was his, Drew Carey? Was that his last name? Yes. And uh, so uh, I can totally picture Drew this. Drew Carey. Drew Carey. Right, Drew Carey. Yeah. I can totally picture this working in a classroom and how fun would that be? And it, oh my goodness, perfect. So. And another little trick that uh, I learned from somebody is that all stories are broken down into four steps. The first step is. Oh, that's interesting. The second step is, uh-oh, something goes wrong. The third step is, <laughs> oh, no, things get even worse. And the fourth step is, oh, everything makes sense, and we realize why we went on this journey. So it's, oh, uh-oh, oh, no, oh. <laughs> that is, I'm, I'm thinking of that as I was reading these most recent books that I read of yours. And I can picture that. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so helpful. Well, now kind of on a, just taking a little bit different tangent here. I know that 
that you're really a true philanthropist, somebody who gives back and helps others, especially students in so many ways. Uh, I read that you do tutoring and you give scholarships. What does it mean to you to, to give and to help and, and kind of beyond your books even? And then piggybacked with that is what inspiration can you share with kids and educators and parents, everyone, in terms of living a life of gratitude and giving back? Oh, well, I've always, I don't know, uh, I, I guess because I went to Catholic high school, I've always had this sense of we are not here just to take care of ourselves. We're all here for a purpose and to help other people. So I was fortunate when I went to the University of Tennessee that I had a few scholarships that helped me pay the way. So now we've uh, established some scholarships for advertising students and also for uh, librarians who want to specialize in being a children's librarian. There's a Luigi Lemoncello Scholarship oh. at the University of Tennessee in Knoxville. And uh, we're always trying to give away and give back. Uh, I guess my wife and I both say it just makes us feel good. You know, it just it's fun to do. Uh, we don't need more stuff. We've got enough stuff. And we're having we're blessed that we're able to have fun with what we do to make a living. And why not give some of it away? Well, and I, I, you know, I do a lot of sharing about, you know, whenever somebody's in a funk, you know, when you're so inside yourself and upset and worried and scared, whatever it may be, if you just say three things that you're grateful for and then do something kind for somebody else, it has a way, like you said, it just feels good. It has a way of lifting you out of that funk and breaking kind of the block that you might be feeling for life. Um, and then it also helps other people. And it just, it makes the world go round. I, we need so much more of that in the world. And I just, I feel like you're such a shining light for that in so many ways. And I'm so grateful for it. So Chris, what, um, I can't believe this hour is zooming by so fast. What final one minute message would you like to share with all the awesome kids who are listening? Keep reading, because readers are leaders, and you are going through the part of your life where you're learning how to read. Pretty soon, you're going to be reading to learn. There's like a little shift that's going to change, uh, take place. And uh, if, if you can read, you can do anything. Yes. I often tell kids the ability to read is the difference between putting uh, something like drain cleaner on your head in the morning or shampoo. If you couldn't read the label, you could make a big mistake. So uh, that's like a silly way of talking about it, but reading is the key to everything. My friend James Patterson has a mansion in Palm Springs, and he invites kids to come over there, and he points to this house he's got right on the ocean, and he says, guess what? I got all this because I learned how to read and I learned how to write. Wow. Oh, that's just, it's so beautiful. I mean, so, you know, with today's world and so much going wrong, so many hardships, it's like instead of getting stuck in that, pick up a book. You know, if you don't know what to do, if you if you feel like you're stuck, if you're if school isn't going right, you know, whatever's happening, pick up a book. You you will learn along the way and you will feel so much it's like it empowers you. Like you said, it empowers you for anything is possible. Oh, beautiful. So what, um, what final one-minute inspirational message do you have for all of our wonderful Right Road Educator friends listening? 
First of all, thank you for reading yes. my books. And I am always amazed because I do, uh, when we get back on the road and stuff, I do visit a lot of schools, and I'm just amazed at the amount of work that teachers, educators do. And uh, I would say know that they're that we all love you. We do. There's more people who support educators, I think, than there's a lot of noisy people right now who are saying mean things about educators and librarians. But uh, we love you. Yes. And I can't say that loud enough. I, you know, I always put out the positive and you're appreciated and you're loved because you're right. I think that's what it is. I think there's a few noisy people that are just so loud right now that you can't hear all the love. You can't feel all the love, but it's there. It's there in spades. And we'll just keep shouting it from the mountaintop. You're special and appreciated and amazing teachers and kids. You are special and appreciated and loved. And the sky's the limit for your life. If you don't know what to do, if you feel stuck, read, write, read, write, learn everything that you can. And the path, the right road for your life will become clear and it will be miraculous. Just never give up on everything that's inside of you. What, what a blessing. Thank you so much, Chris. You are really leaving a legacy for generations to come with your body of work. And I know you've got so much more to share to come. I'm just, I'm honored and so thankful you shared this time with us this evening on the right road. I I seriously wish we could just keep going here. Um, but thank you so much for your time, your energy, and and really your true heart for bringing the love and joy of books and reading and goodness and positivity and excitement and encouragement to kids' lives. You're amazing. Well, thank you. That's so sweet of you to say that. I'm, I'm blushing here. You can't see it because we're not in the same room. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. And everybody, you can purchase Chris's books literally everywhere. Um, his website at chrisgrabenstein.com. It's C-H-R-I-S-G-R-A-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. Has information about all of his books. And I know that, like he said, he also loves to do virtual visits. And it, and it's starting to open up now where sometimes he might be able to go to schools again. I know he loves to do that. And all of that information is under the author vi- visits tab on his website. So go check it out. He has a wonderfully colorful and fun website that makes it so easy to connect with him. Again, it's chrisgrabenstein.com. And as I always like to make sure to do, I want to thank all of our amazing On the Right Road sponsors, Right Road Kids, Right Road Productions, Nair, Seatsack, the Lithia and DCH auto dealerships and their support companies, including DCH Subaru of Thousand Oaks, the Just Shop with Jackie Facebook group, Leggy Liner, Lori Stenis and her Keller Williams real estate team, and Mo Anderson on behalf of Keller Williams and her extraordinary A Joy-Filled Life book. And as I always like to do, I have a nugget from my heart to close with tonight that you can take with you into the week to come and the rest of the school year. Um, And what I'd like to do is share that quote from Chris that I also shared earlier. Um, I found it in an article where Chris said, and I'm going to quote again, in my time at the University of Tennessee, I learned anything was possible. All you had to do was be bold enough to imagine yourself doing it and seize the opportunity. I truly believe that the path to so much in our lives starts with visualizing, 
picturing it in your mind's eye, what a specific goal is and believing that it's possible. I I mean, if a kid starts thinking and focusing on, for example, um, you know, what am I going to do if I get three at bats in a baseball game and I strike out all three times? Chances are that those strikeouts are going to happen because what's being visualized with that mindset are the strikeouts. I just know that a better approach, and this is applicable to anything in life, is instead visualizing getting three awesome hits and seeing in your mind's eye where you want those hits to go. It doesn't mean that everything's just going to go exactly as planned. It doesn't even mean that strikeouts won't happen. But from personal experience and what I've observed with people like Chris Grabenstein, who are successful, is that they focus on the goal and the possibilities, not the what-ifs and the uh-ohs and, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? Um, and the, the, real, the, the reality is the last few years have made this thought process really difficult to focus on because there's been so much, and there still is, so much trauma and tragedy happening in our world, uh, you know, from the pandemic to war to the economy and high prices, to work challenges and education challenges and student challenges. And and I could go on and on and on. So more than ever, I just want to encourage us all to be intentional in focusing on the goals and the possibilities, not the what-ifs and the difficulties. And to help our kids learn to focus on the goals and possibilities too. Um, Like we have talked about during this show, kids are struggling And this is a life skill that we need to help them find. I think like anything, it tends to be more built into the DNA of some people than others. So it may be easier uh, for some people to focus on. And I'll be honest, for me, I'm very emotional. So when things go wrong or are negative, that can weigh heavily on me. But when I set a goal, look out. I've learned that with practice This is something we all can learn where focusing on goals instead of the fears can become like an awesome habit. And I I actually think I'll do an upcoming show on this whole topic, but um, the inspiration from Chris with all of that, I at least wanted to highlight the importance of focusing on the possibilities for ourselves and our kids. You know, maybe try to come up with a, a couple of concrete ways to incorporate this kind of be bold enough to imagine yourself doing it and seize the opportunity thought process with your students. I really think it'll make a notable difference in your life and in their lives and and for your whole classroom and school culture. And on that note, I really, really hope this hour together has been a blessing and light and inspiration and joy for you and that it's made a shining difference in your life. And speaking of joy and shining, I have more giving fun for you this evening, you guys. Remember to check our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon for the long list of recipients from all of tonight's pre-show and live broadcast giveaways. So this giveaway number three, of course, it's open to all educators in the U.S. listening to On the Right Road right now. To encourage excitement about writing, I have 10 Exacto electric pencil sharpeners, and each will also come with two boxes of Ticonderoga pencils. So there will be 10 educator recipients, and each will receive a teacher favorite Exacto electric pencil sharpener along with teacher favorite Ticonderogas. <laughs> so to enter, just go to our Right Red Kids Facebook page right now as you're listening. Just follow the simple entry guidelines in the giveaway post. Remember to include tonight's code word SHINE as part of your entry comment, even if you included it in tonight's other giveaway entries, okay? Because that'll officially enter you. And this giveaway will be open until just after the end of the show. 
till 7 p.m. Pacific, 10 Eastern tonight. And we'll announce the 10 recipients on our Right Road Kids Facebook page this coming Tuesday afternoon. Huge thanks to Mo Anderson on behalf of Keller Williams and her wonderful A Joyfield Life book for helping to make this awesome giveaway possible. Once again, a gazillion thanks to Chris Gravenstein for being my extraordinary guest here on The Right Road tonight. Thank you to Marcy for her always amazing behind-the-scenes support. Thank you, for my, thank you to my terrific engineer, Matt, and the whole Voice America team. And thank you also very much for listening and being a part of The Right Road family. Blessings, love, and light to every single one of you. And if you listened all the way to the end here, here's tonight's special bonus gift opportunity. I have 10 copies of the absolutely must-read of a book, Shine, that Chris and his wife wrote together. Like I have shared earlier, this book is so special. Again, I think it's one that every child should read before or during middle school or any time. Everyone needs to read this book. Plus, because Chris met the three-minute quickfire challenge near the beginning of the show, I'm going to add four bonus $25 Barnes & Noble gift card drawings, good in-store and online, and a $50 Amazon gift card drawing to, to all of this giving fun. The gift cards will help some of you purchase Chris's books for your students. So if you're listening now and you'd like to enter for the Shine books and the gift cards, just email me. This is going to be a, a Right Road email giveaway. Email me at heypaula, that's H-E-Y-P-A-U-L-A, at rightroadkids.org, R-I-G-H-T-R-O-A-D-K-I-D-S.org. Put the code word SHINE in the subject line and include your school, city, and state in the body of the email so I know you're an educator. And again, I just can't say enough about how special the SHINE book is. It's why I wanted to highlight and feature it in this special bonus giveaway this evening. As always, you guys, this episode, this whole episode will be available to listen to and download for free. So you can listen to any parts of it you may have missed, or you can download it to save and share with your educator friends and your students. Oh my gosh. I hope you'll download this show to share with your kids. What an hour packed with inspiration. Chris is so amazing. And as I typically do, you guys, what I'll do is post the free listen download link on our Right Road Kids Facebook page about a half hour after we wrap up here. So you have easy access to it. And in between our live on the Right Road broadcasts, you can always connect with us on our Right Road Kids Facebook page, Instagram page, and via our website at rightroadkids.org. As I always like to close with you guys, always remember that you are special, appreciated, and loved. Until next time on The Right Road here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel, be that daily, positive, bold, empowered inspiration for the kids in your life and live your best, most amazing life on The Right Road. And remember to just be you and shine your amazing light because you're enough and you're amazing just because you're you. Oh my gosh, you guys, I love and appreciate you all so much. Mwah! Thank you for listening to On the Right Road with your host, Paula Phillips. Connect with us anytime at www.rightroadkids.org or at Right Road Kids on Facebook. And we'll catch you again here every first and third Sunday of the month at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on the Right Road. Right Road.